The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. That's right. It seems like once a game, but uh, a lucky one. And I mean, I couldn't, I didn't, I knew it was very little time on the clock, very little, like a couple seconds. And where the puck was, I couldn't get my feet or my body around to keep it on my forehand. And I didn't think I'd have a time to do that. And I didn't want to go ahead of it and try to backhand smack it. So that was kind of last resort. And, and I went in, which was nice. Yeah, it was nice. What an insane way to end an insane game last night in Nashville. A goal of the year candidate from Matthew Kachuk in overtime. I still can't believe how that game played out because I don't think anyone saw that coming. When we went to the third period last night, at the end of the second intermission, I finished the out-of-town scoreboard and I said, coming up next, uh, Derek Wells, Peter Labardi, his third period play-by-play. Do the Flames have a big comeback in them tonight in Nashville? Yeah, it was a tease, but... Did I really think that the Flames had a big comeback in them in Nashville? By no means did I think that. I didn't see that coming uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And that looked like a game that was home and cool. That looked like a Predators team that they're veterans. They know how to close out games. Uh, I just thought that, especially with a power play early in the third period, Preds were going to close that one out. Well, as we all know, it went completely opposite. And just how opposite did it go? Let's find out. Perfect way to kick off the program. Let's look back on last night in Music City. It's time for today's Game in a Minute. Game in a Minute, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Be winter ready with free winter tires, free rock art, and free oil changes and tire rotations with every new in-stock 2019 vehicle. Visit HyattInfinityCalgary.com. Empower the drive. Happy Halloween, hockey fans, and welcome inside Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee, where tonight, Mark Rodano and the 6-6-2 Calgary Flames are planning to spook Roman Yossi and the scary good 8-3-1 Nashville Predators. Craig Smith with a shot. Good save by Riddick. And now it goes in. When you're hot, you're hot. Nick Bonino. Kachuk throws a reverse check on Fabro and centers. Ryan shoots and scores. On just their second shot of the hockey game, Derek Ryan scores a much-needed goal. And he gets the Flames back in it. It is 2-1. Yarn Kroak hit up the left side. Steps and shoots and scores. Anderson with a shot, he scores! Monaghan in front, Lindholm shoots, and they score! Bennett in front, swings and misses. Now Giordano centers, Clyde scores! Sissons in, Sissons centers, they score! Unbelievable. Colton Sissons finds Austin Watson coming in. And Watson chips the puck past David Riddick. The Predators blew a 4-1 lead, but they're back out in front. 5-4 with a minute 22 left in the third. Gets it to Gaudreau. Gaudreau to Kachuk to Monaghan. Stop. They score! The Flames have tied it again with 38.4 seconds left. Matthew Kachuk shovels the puck into the Predators' net. It's a Music City miracle. We're tied at five. Slides the left wing side to Lindholm. Lindholm walks into the slot and shoots, and now Kachuk scores! Matthew Kachuk 
ties the game late in the third period, and he wins it with no time left in overtime. The Flames trick the Predators into thinking they had this game wrapped up and then treat themselves to an incredible come-from-behind win on Halloween night. The final score at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. The Flames 6, the Predators 5 in overtime. Welcome to the Steinberg Show. It's a pretty good way to kick it off as the uh, Flames mount a rather improbable comeback in Nashville last night. And again, nobody saw that coming. I would imagine that a lot of Flames fans, because of the frustration of it all, probably would have turned that game off after 40 minutes of play. Two shorthanded goals against in the second period, a 4-1 deficit. You've been a, a pretty inconsistent team all year long. I wouldn't have blamed you if you turned it off last night, but if you tuned back in in the third period, it, it was crazy. Like, it was one of those nights where the Predators couldn't reel it back in. The Flames were in full chase mode. They got a goal early. Uh, I think Pekka Rene wants that one back. I think that he would love to have the third one back, even though it wasn't his fault. And then not a whole lot you can do on the uh, the next four after that because the Predators were running around with their eyes closed in their own zone. But uh, that was a hell of a push by the Calgary Flames. And, you know, whether, uh, whether or not there was, Sounds like there was something said. Well, Derek Ryan admitted yesterday there was something that was said in the room afterwards. Like, okay, let's go out and make this a hell of a third period. And they did just that. So here's the craziest stat of all last night. Pekka Rene had allowed one goal in his previous three starts combined. He had allowed, going into the third period, in his last 11 periods, he had allowed one goal period. And then he allows five in the third in overtime combined. Like you're, I guess it would have been two goals in 11 periods because they had scored the one goal in the first period. So it was two goals in 11 periods, and then boom, four in the third, one more in overtime. Uh, that 937 save percentage got kicked in the teeth uh, by the third period in overtime, thanks to the Calgary Flames. So many things to hit on coming out of last night. Let's try to get through all of them. I think the big question that everybody's asking, I, people are writing about it, people are tweeting about it, is this a turning point in Calgary season? And I don't know. I, I find that's always a narrative that we're searching for when talking about this team. I find that every year we're like, well, is this the time? Is, is this the game that, that turns their season around? I know that was the uh, easy talking point coming out of game 10 last year when the Flames got punched in the mouth by the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, I, th there have been other games throughout the year that, or throughout the years that I think that, well, that one's the turning point. That's going to turn their season around. I think a lot of the time it's narrative building. I don't know if to, last night is going to be a, a turning point or not, or not. Like it would be better if we weren't always searching for a turning point. You know what I'm saying? It would be better if you could just have a year where they start the season playing some pretty decent hockey and you don't need to be searching. Remember, a lot of people who are talking about the Florida comeback win. Well, is that the turning point of the season? And then a week later, is this game against Nashville the turning point of the season? I don't know. Was there a turning point where it went wrong last year? Like, we don't seem to build that narrative. That being said, could that be a turning point last night? I guess it could be. Uh, that remains to be seen. So I know that's one of the big talking points, one of the big things that came out of last night, and, and it's on the Flames to give us the answer. It's a little too early to tell whether or not that was the case. Here's what I know, though. The Flames need to even out their game. So we're 15 games into their season, 
And there are way too many swings right now from period to period in their game. Like, if you take a look at their 15-game body of work, not even going game to game, I'm talking period to period, there are far too many swings. Like, they'll be high for a period, and sure, you come back down to earth after an outstanding period. That's the way hockey works. But to come back down to earth and then go right underground is what they need to guard against right now. So... I am of the belief that a 60-minute effort doesn't really exist in the sport of hockey. I think it is, it's a fun term to throw around, but the league is too close for any one team to dominate or to control for 60 full minutes. But what is a thing is being able to play pretty consistent and pretty steady through a game. And I think that we saw that for a good chunk of last regular season from the Flames. Like, especially after they worked out some of their early kinks. That team was fairly steady from shift to shift and period to period on a nightly basis. And right now we're not seeing that. So just look at the last three games. The Winnipeg game, even though it was an outdoor game, you know, they were pretty good for 40 minutes of play. They had the balance of the chances. They had the balance of the puck. And the third period was a complete and utter opposite. And they passively allowed Winnipeg to come back and take that game over. Almost the uh, complete, uh, almost a complete facsimile two nights later or three nights later in Carolina, where for one period they were really good, and then they allowed the Jets to take uh, the, the Hurricanes to take over. And when I say allow, I know the other team has a part in it, but we're talking just about the Flames and the way they're playing. And their third period was again horrid. And then last night, like. Are they trying to set a new record for how many bad periods they can play in a year? Because I think that first period in Nashville, despite only down, being down 2-1, could be right up there with some of the other worst periods of the season that we've seen from them. And so they were bad in the first, a little better in the second, with some just awful mistakes in the power play. And then they were lights out, no questions asked, their best period of the year in the third. So it's those wild swings. They shouldn't have needed their best period of the year to come back. If you can be a little bit more steady, and if your game isn't so completely erratic, then you're in a spot where these crazy comebacks don't need to happen. You're in a spot where you're not flirting with 500 seemingly every single night. It's early. I know that teams are working through things. That's part of what happens in October. But that's the biggest thing the Flames need to do going forward is smooth out and even out their game from a period-to-period basis. Now, if you're looking for a turning point or if you're looking for a catalyst, a galvanizing point, a jump-off, whatever you want to use cliche-wise, you know who it could be a turning point for last night? Calgary's reunited top line because they needed a night like that. Not so much Lindholm. Lindholm's been rolling. He's in a five-game point streak. He leads the team in goals. But Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan, who both had their goalless droughts extended last night, they both got in on the score sheet uh, with multiple points. Three assists for Monaghan, two assists for Gaudreau, and I think they needed a night like that where... As, as, much as, as much as you like to say that you know, the score sheet doesn't matter, it's what you do overall in your all-round game, all that type of stuff. Fact is, with offensive players, when they're not showing up on a regular basis and an impactful way on the score sheet, it's going to start to mess with them. So I think last night could be huge for the confidence of Gaudreau and Monaghan and for their mindset, and that could be the biggest catalyst of last night's game. To have a night like that for Calgary's top offensive players, even Kachuk, you could throw into that conversation too and what he did with the three points that he posted last night 
because he's been a little up and down, although I've really liked him the last couple of games. Uh, I, I think that could be a big night for Calgary's top offensive players. That that might be the biggest catalyst that I see coming out of last night. Um, in a game where he allowed five goals, does David Riddick still need some love last night? I think he does. That stop that he made on Roman Yossi on that 2-on-0 when the Flames were pushing in the third period, that's game saver. He made another game saver when it was 5-5 late in the third period. Some of those stops that Riddick made in the middle stages of the second period, in the first period when it could have gone completely awry, and then while the Flames were pushing in the third period, like Riddick made some huge stops to allow the Flames to mount the comeback they did and to complete the comeback when it was all said and done. So Riddick's going to get the start again tomorrow in Columbus, uh, which means that we all assume Talbot's going to get the start Sunday in Washington. Uh, Yeah, I don't think that comeback happens if it's not for some of those big-time stops from Riddick, and that's where the goalie who made five stops or allowed five goals last night, 31 stops when it was all said and done. A couple more talking points before we get to the text line at 960-960. Is that the goal of the year from Matthew Kachuk? Maybe. It's one of the best I've seen in a long time, and I'll put it easily ahead of Svechnikov's goal against the Flames on Tuesday. Svechnikov's goal was awesome, that th- but for Kachuk to do what he did, there was less time for him to make the split decision. There was less time remaining on the clock and in the game like, I thought Sveshnikov's goal was incredible. A high level of skill, and and that should be shown on highlight reels. But the circumstance, the spot, and the split-second decision-making ability from Matthew Kachuk to do all of that, whew. Yeah, right now, for me, that's goal of the year. Maybe it gets rivaled. Maybe we see it get topped this year. But, you know, a month into the season... I'll say that's goal of the year thus far for Matthew Kachuk. That was ridiculous. And a final point, it's on the Flames to make this a catalyst or make last night a turning point. Might be the most memorable game of the season when we look back on the 1920 year in April, May, or June. But unless they actually smooth out their game from here, unless they actually start to play a steadier brand of hockey, this won't be a turning point. It'll just be a really fun game that we all remember. So it's on the Flames to make it the former and not the latter. Let's get to the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line, 960-960. Oh, a lot of texts. Oh, haven't had a chance to weed through them. So um, what do we got here? This reads, Kachuk takes the cake, also given the complexity of the between-the-legs shot. Um, this reads, sometimes it doesn't matter how many goals in, but at the same time of the game, when you, uh, but the time of the game, rather, when you make the big save, a la Grant Fuhr. Um... Pat, do you think Kachuk was thinking between the legs from the blue line because it tries it in, because he tries it in close once a game, it seems? Or was it purely reactive in a hockey sense where it was one of the only ways he could react? I feel there's a level of hot-dogging in there, but at the same time, it is so filthy that it deserves the props. I really don't believe... Because at the time, if you're a Kachuk, you have no idea. Like, how could you... I mean, look, Kachuk is has elite hockey sense. Like, we're talking about some of the highest-level hockey sense playing in the game right now. But even he, I don't think, could predict that, okay, well, this is going to happen. Rene's going to make the save, or it's going to get blocked. It doesn't make the save. It's going to get deflected in front and come right to me. So he couldn't have seen that coming. It had to be the latter, where it was just hockey sense and split-second reaction. I really do believe that it was was that and not him (laughs) hot-dogging it. That was his only play. Now, a handful of players can make that play. 
He's one of them, but it was his only play. Uh, this from Mike. Agreed, Pat. Always find it strange why fans of any franchise expect their team to play a full 60 minutes every game like the other team is paid to play two and coach to win. For a team to play a full 60, the other team would theoretically need to play zero, which just doesn't happen. Hockey's generally a game of momentum, I find. Uh, what else we got here at 960-960? The problem with the Flames play is their turnover rate, especially in their own zone. Too many times they turn over the puck, and it costs them two shorthanded goals from those turnovers. Um, this, um, what do we got? Can't read that one. I actually did turn it off after the second, but my instinct of the third period flames, I switched back on with a minute and a half left, and I can't believe it. You got to do that. N- next time they're down after 40, you just got to switch back on, you know, 18 minutes into the third period. That's exactly what you have to do. Um, turn the game off after the first, went back when I saw it was 4 4. The second I tuned back in, the Pred scored and I turned it off again. I did, however, get back in for the overtime winner. That's for Luke, from Luke, rather. Uh, I switched to the football game after the fourth goal, tuned back in after the Flames' third goal. What a finish. Um, Another Mike. What was really amazing about Matthews' goal is how much he processed in a split second to even attempt that shot, but to score, amazing. That, for me, is the thing that was the most bonkers about the Kachuk goal, the second goal, is that the ability to process that, like, that's Matrix-level stuff. I mean, think about it. Like, the, um, the the ability to slow down the game like that and see it in slow motion like that, there are very few human beings who can do that. That's why it's... Uh that's why it was such an incredible, incredible goal. So, uh, good on Matthew Kachuk. We'll see what the Flames do from here. Uh, they've got the Columbus Blue Jackets tomorrow, the Washington Capitals on Sunday. Both 5 o'clock starts, both right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. A few other talking points today. Uh, I do have to ask Riley Pollock a question in the producer's chair today. Uh, I cannot wait for tomorrow in the CFL. Triple header with a division title on the line. Home playoff berths on the line. Here is the scenario. Riders win or tie to kick off the triple header tomorrow, uh, and they clinch the West Division and thus get a bye to the West Division final. So Riders totally have destiny in their hands, and even if they lose, uh, it's still in their hands. But Riders win or tie, and the Riders clinch the West. If the Riders lose, that opens the door for the Calgary Stampeders, uh, and a win over BC to finish off the night on Saturday will clinch them the West Division title, and Saskal hosts the West Division semi. Calgary loss... Regardless of what happens with Sask, uh, a Calgary loss means that they won't even be hosting a playoff game. They'll be going to Winnipeg for the West Division semifinals. So there are a lot of things at play. Now, Mr. Pollock, we don't know what Cody Fajardo's status is, your uh, newly signed quarterback. Riley's a born and bred Riders fan. He's born in Regina. So he's... uh, Get that out of here. Don't ever say that on these airwaves again. Uh, no, you're born in Regina, so you've been born into this uh, to this cult. So how are you feeling? We don't. Fajardo's listed number one on the depth chart, but are you confident that he plays? Not anymore. Craig Dickinson just spoke after practice, and uh, he said that Fajardo's going to be a game-time decision tomorrow, and if the game were to happen tonight, he wouldn't play. So... I don't think he's going to play tomorrow now that I've heard those words. What's going uh, on with this guy's back? It's his back, right? Yeah, apparently he heard it in the closed practice on Tuesday and then just wasn't at practice on Wednesday, and that sent all of Saskatchewan into a frenzy. Jeez. If Fajardo doesn't play... Now, the Eskimos aren't playing a lot of their big names, and 
Logan Kilgore is going to get the start. And so there's there's certainly still plenty to suggest that at home in that spot, the Riders can win the game. But, boy, if they lose without Fajardo and then they don't get the bye to rest Fajardo and they got to play yeah. the West Semi. Yeah, that's tough. Go Eskimos. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you that um, I guess the Stamps have to play all their big guys either way, right? They need a win. Yep. They need a win, and especially if we're talking about uh, the Riders losing. But regardless, yeah. they don't want to go on the road. They don't want to have to go on the road twice to get to a Grey Cup to play at home again, right? So they, they want to make sure that they at least get to host one playoff game here. Uh, so I, I don't, like, if you're playing CFL Fantasy, I absolutely am starting Bo. They're not playing Rodgers, but that means Reggie Bagleton's going to get that many more targets. Huff, Herji uh, Mayala, like, these guys are all going to be going the entire way. Uh, Rodgers is not playing because he's hurt. Uh, so, look, they, uh, they're going to be playing their big guns all game. And unless they get up by like three scores in the third or fourth quarter, that maybe is when you see Bowen and co come out. But uh, I think they're playing their big guns for the majority, if not the entire game, because they need this. They can't allow, they can't allow their foot coming off the pedal. And all of a sudden they start resting starters and BC comes back on them. They, they just can't allow that. And they're on the road. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that you're seeing the stamp starters for a good chunk of this game and, uh, tomorrow night. And BC would like nothing more than to uh, ruin the stamps home field Absolutely. chances with their last game. You might as well do something with your last game. Yeah. Right. Uh, kickoff uh, at Mosaic Stadium tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Kickoff at BC Place tomorrow, 8 o'clock. Riders host the Eskimos. Stamps on the road in BC. Steinberg Show is underway. Don't forget to tune into the Bow Show this coming Wednesday. Reaction to what happens on Saturday in BC and setting up whatever Calgary's playoff fate ends up being. The Bow Show is brought to you by SML Entertainment, hot tubs, saunas, and home leisure. SML Entertainment has brought friends and family together since 1956. Learn more at smlentertainment.com. Well, who the hell is playing this weekend in the CFL? It is the craziest week of depth charts I can ever remember. We'll try to sort through and make them, well, make sense of what's going on next. Jeff Creever, our CFL insider, is next on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Who the heck is even playing in the CFL this weekend? What I mean by that is there are so many recognizable names not playing or not starting you could field an all-star game just with them. That's what Week 21 has in store, and yet there are two crucially important games on the schedule. Welcome back to the Steinberg Show. Pat Steinberg along with you. Let's welcome in our CFL insider, Jeff Creever from CFL.ca. Jeff, who is, uh, who's playing this week? I can't remember uh, a week like this with depth charts that are this bonkers. It's it's hard to figure out who's, uh, who's in, who's out, and trying to wrap your head around it has been quite the task over the last couple of hours. Yeah, you're telling me. We uh, Every week on CFL.ca, we put out uh, sort of a, a status report for fantasy, keep everybody in a, on the loop and who's playing and who's not. And I felt like this was like a, a major task, like an essay. I felt like I was back in university, like 2,000 words or something like that. It's, it is a lot to chew on this week uh, with some of these teams that are sitting players. Uh, and then you have the guys that are questionable, and, and we know Eric Rogers out for Calgary, and now we hear about um, – Cody Fajardo possibly not playing for the Riders. Uh, two big names that are on football teams that need to win this weekend um, that that could be out of the action. So uh, it, it really is a lot to take in. And I, I won't sit here and, and go through the entire list with you, but 
uh, if you are playing fantasy this week, you'll, you'll definitely want to check in on, on some of these items and see who's in and who's out this week. Cause well, what a list. Yeah. It's it's now it, the, the crazy part is you're right. There's a number of questionable players too, who are on depth charts and that makes it that much hairier. Well, let's, let's start with the first game of this triple header tomorrow. It's an important game for Saskatchewan. They're at home to the Edmonton Eskimos with a chance to clinch the West division title in the regular season. But what do we know about Sask's depth chart? What do we know about their roster for tomorrow? Well, everything outside of the quarterback position seems to be status quo business as usual. Uh, the riders are, are pretty healthy uh, for the most part going into this game, which it uh, seemed like a couple of days ago at this point for them, uh, it was going to be a really big strength for this team. You know, go go out, beat Edmonton this week, uh, get another week off, get the Western final at home, and have a relatively healthy roster with you know, two wins away from a Grey Cup. All of a sudden, with Cody Fajardo, um, reports coming out, uh, Craig Dickinson saying he's tweaked his back during the week, uh, didn't practice yesterday, uh, doesn't look like he practiced today. Uh, some of the reports coming out now, saying uh, Cody Fajardo saying if the game was today, uh, he wouldn't be playing. Uh, Craig Dickinson not sounding overly optimistic about his quarterback's chances of playing tomorrow, which means we'd see Isaac Parker. And it's a back injury. I mean, you don't know how that's going to go and if that lingers, whether whether Sask wins uh, this game tomorrow or not. Um, is that something that carries through the next few weeks? Because uh, I like this Riders team's chances if Cody Fajardo's the quarterback. If he's out, Cool. That is that's a big difference. Now you're talking about something different. Yeah, and and that's that's scary. And and it doesn't necessarily sound so optimistic that he is going to play. So what do you see? Let's let's. It's, it's tough to speculate, but all of a sudden you can see the Riders losing at home to Edmonton to finish the year. It's possible. It's possible. And a little bit of optimism for the Calgary Stampeders, a team that. Uh, is trying to wrap up that West division and, and get first place and have the bye week in the stamps. They could use it with the injuries that they have right now. Uh, do the riders have a chance to beat Edmonton with Isaac Harker, a quarterback? Yeah. Uh, but this is, this is a really young kid, a, a true rookie uh, in the CFL, right at a school who hasn't really thrown the football since very early in the season. We remember he played in week one uh, when Zach Calaro suffered the injury and, and the riders went back and forth between Fajardo and, they had that whole situation where they were going to go back and forth between quarterbacks. Well, Fajardo put an end to that. He took the job and ran away with it. And Harker has kind of been uh, an afterthought since then. So I don't know. I don't know what he's, how he's going to look. Uh, it's an Edmonton team that'll be resting a lot of starters, but these are still some pretty good football players going in there. You look at the backups they're dressing, uh, you're talking about Shaq Cooper. Uh, he's been around. Um, Logan Kilgore has some starts under his belt. Kevin Elliott is a veteran receiver who's going in there. Uh, another interesting one, although who knows how he'll look, um, but the first overall pick from the, the CFL Mexican draft, uh, remember back in January, he's going to get a start, the first global player to get a start. So um, he, he'll definitely play with something to prove. That's for sure. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Uh, so, hey, I, I wouldn't dismiss this Eskimos team, especially if Isaac Harker is going to be the quarterback for the Riders, which at this point in time is starting to look probable. Yeah, and uh, Craig Dickinson says that, uh, if if Fajardo had to play today, he probably wouldn't. We'll see what that means 
for tomorrow at Mosaic Stadium. Riders Eskimos kick off a triple header. Jeff Cravers, our CFL insider from CFL.ca, the final game of tomorrow's triple header, and thus the final game of the CFL regular season, has the Calgary Stampeders in BC. Now, we know that that game will mean something. It might mean a whole lot more if the Riders lose tomorrow afternoon. But uh, get us up to speed on what we know about the Stampeders depth chart and I guess what we know about, about the BC Lions. Yeah, don't know a lot about what the BC Lions are doing yet, or at least I, I haven't seen uh, their depth chart. But the, the Stamps, uh, like you said, this is a big game for them. And, and I think it is no matter what happens because they need to get a home playoff game. Uh, that's, there's no doubt about that. The West becomes uh, all the tougher if they have to go through Winnipeg uh, and then Regina to get to the, to get to the Grey Cup and, and what would essentially be a home game for the Stamps. But it, it's going to be tough. Uh, and, and BC is a team you should beat. But, hey, the Lions are playing loose and, and like they've got nothing to lose. And they've got some young players in there um, that are playing for jobs next season as well. Uh, the Stamps aren't going to have Aaron Rodgers at, uh, Eric Rodgers at receiver. Sorry. So, um, that, you know, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, Aaron Peck draws into the lineup a tall, uh, lanky receiver that I thought looked good in his one game he got into earlier against, uh, against Toronto. Um, but again, you're talking about an unproven Stampeders receiving corpse now uh, that's going to be leaning on Peck and, and Josh Huff and, and then Reggie Bagleton. So uh, compare that to where it was a year ago, and you've got a really young group there. Um, Stamps need to go and, and play a road game in, in BC, and um, they need to play really well from start to finish. Uh, one other note on the Stamps, Don Jackson starting at running back, Terry Williams drawing back into the lineup as well um, as a returner, and I, I assume he'll also get some duty um, in the running back game. Uh, and uh, anti-leader is going to be uh, knocked down on the depth chart this week. So they're going American there, and it's a chance for Don Jackson uh, to sort of reassert himself before the postseason. This one, probably, and I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth and you tell me if they are accurate or not, but I would assume that you feel like there's a whole lot less of a chance the Stampeders lose in BC than with the situation in Sask and their roster scenario at home to Edmonton? Yeah, I would say that's fair. I would definitely say that's fair. Um, and I did, I did just get a hold of the Lions depth chart um, just on the West Coast, a little late coming out. But uh, Danny O'Brien's their starter this week, so he'll, he'll make his second career start. Uh, and it, it's definitely a winnable game for the Stamps, that's for sure. Uh, one, I would assume, with the way Bo Levi Mitchell's playing, the Stamps should come out hot and put some points on the board early uh, and, and leave uh, very little doubt there. So, yeah, I would say comparing the two situations, uh, that, that BC-Calgary game should be a little more clear-cut. Jeff Cravers with us from CFL.ca. Stamps and BC Lions finish off week 21 and finish off the CFL regular season. In the other two games, you got Montreal Ottawa tonight, you got Toronto Hamilton tomorrow. Are there any storylines that you're watching in those games? Are there any uh, certain things that, even though they don't have any playoff implications, might jump off the page to you? Yeah, uh, well, let's start with tonight. I, I'm really curious to see what Dominique Davis does at, at quarterback. Uh, people are down on him. I, I've always been a little bit intrigued by him and, and the talent, especially as a dual-threat quarterback. But he, as far as athletically speaking, I don't know if there's anybody out there that, that's more gifted than Dominique Davis. I mean, as a quarterback and a runner, uh, he can change a game. He can beat an entire defense with his legs. So. Uh, I want to see him running around out there and using that athleticism to his advantage, along with what is a, a pretty strong arm. Uh, 
the potential's there. He just hasn't been able to put it together. So this is one of those late season auditions, and this means a lot for him because if he really struggles out there, he may not get another opportunity in this league. Uh, John Crockett's back and running back for the Red Blacks tonight, and then uh, Toronto's going to start uh, Dakota Prukop tomorrow, which I think is really interesting as well. Showed some flashes uh, last week, uh, as did Michael O'Connor, but I, I thought Pru- I think I thought Prukop was impressive, and I think he's the story here because uh, he's been around and sort of in that developmental spot for the Argos for a little while now. Uh, they haven't had much of a chance to look at him with, with McLeod Bethel-Thompson and James Franklin getting all the reps this year. I'm really curious to see what Prukop can do because he was a good college quarterback, uh, real good athlete, good runner. Um, I, I like his football senses, and I, I think he could be a good one. So I'm curious to see uh, how he looks out there um, this weekend. Final thought, CFL Fantasy, final week of the regular season. Uh, I've got two questions for you. First of all, uh, I'm going Bo Levi Mitchell as my lock of the week. I just think that the scenario for the Stampeders and the way Bo is playing is a perfect week to lock him into your lineup. Uh, who is your lock of the week? Uh, I, I've kind of been all over the place on on lock of the week and changing my lineup a lot. I'm actually going with the defense this week, a little bit off the board, but I think defense can help your team. And uh, I've got the Calgary Stampeders defense. I like the matchup with the Lions. We talked about Danny O'Brien being in at quarterback, just his second career start. And that Calgary defense has been a real strong point of that team this season. They've had to win a lot of games uh, on turnovers, defensive touchdowns. Uh, That group has been outstanding. Um, The Stamps haven't quite been the usual ball possession team that we've seen in the past that can run the ball. In fact, they're last in the league uh, this year in rushing yards, which is a little different. Uh, but that defense can make a ton of plays, and I think they're going to make life real real difficult for Danny O'Brien this weekend. So um, I, I got the Stamps defense as my lock. Uh, actually, I like a lot of players on the Stamps, Reggie Bagleton um, being one of them. Uh, even at $2,500, the, the cheapest option, I like Aaron Peck. I think he's going to get in there and do something. So those, those guys and, and Bo, of course, uh, I'd have a pretty Stampeders heavy lineup this week. That's what I've got. I've got Bo. I've got the Stamps defense in there. I've got Bagleton in there. Uh, I'm going with Josh Huff instead of Hergie Mayala just because it seems like they flip-flop each week as to who has yeah. the big game. Last week it was Mayala with a couple touchdowns, so maybe this week it'll be Huff. I'm playing the probabilities. Uh, I do have to ask you, uh, Jeff, uh, myself, and uh, Hannah Nordman, we all uh, do the CFL Fantasy Podcast together at CFL.ca, and um, we have a little internal competition, and um, you know, the, you uh, you surpassed me this week, and you have an opportunity to close out our three-way competition by just going with the same lineup as, as I have, and because <laughs> because I have to send these things to you so you can publish them on the website. Uh, you have the ability to just copy my lineup and seal the win. And I'm a little angry That's at true. you that you're not doing that. You're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, you have an opportunity to win the league. Why are you not just guaranteeing yourself the win? I don't, I don't understand your logic. That, that, you know what? It doesn't feel right. It wouldn't feel like a good victory. We, we had our flag championship this week. And our team, we, it's co-ed. We didn't have enough girls. And the other team, they could have made us forfeit. And we said, you know what? You're, you're going to make us forfeit the championship game? We had to play shorthanded, but they let us do it. They wanted to beat us fair and square. And they did. And you know what? A win is just so much better when you do it the right way. I'll, I'll give you my lineup right now if you want. Yeah, but that so, doesn't help I, me. Like, I, I know what my line. Like, I'm not, I'm chasing. You've got an opportunity to guarantee yourself a win. Sportsmanship be damned. I if I were in your shoes, I would just field the exact same lineup that you were going with and guarantee myself the victory by twelve points. 
I'm feeling pretty confident this week. We'll put we'll put it to that. What's the lead right now? Eight points. I think it's twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Okay. I'm feeling pretty confident. I, I and I think I mean I might even go Dom Davis at quarterback to save a few bucks. We'll see. <sighs> Baffles my mind, but uh, all the power to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy week twenty one, buddy. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. Jeff Creaver, our CFL insider, CFL.ca on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. It's the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Back to the Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Calgary. Calgary. Today is November 1st, and you know what that means. It's the first day of Movember. Pinder is doing Movember. We'll tell you more about that before the end of this segment. And uh, Movember also means, I got a text from this gentleman today. He's like, hey, can I come on and talk about Movember? I'm like, absolutely. You don't need an excuse to come on when your name is Randy Chevrier. Uh, I have not spoken to Chevy on the phone in far too long. Uh, the former host of the Chevy and Nasty Show, the former member of the Calgary Stampeders, the multiple-time Grey Cup champion, and now the member of the Calgary Fire Department, Randy Chevrier, joined us on the program right now. Chevy, my man, how are you? Pat, what's going on? Are we doing this in French, or are we going to keep it in English for today? We probably should keep <laughs> it in English. I'm, uh, uh, je ne comprends pas le français uh, très bien at this point. Hey, that's, that's good, man. That's awesome. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You just got. Uh, if you are we, learning, are we learning the French for a lady, or is it just for your for your enrichment? Just what, for my just for my enrichment. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my brain busy. Uh, I I you went heard to it here the next play by play guy for the Montreal Canadiens au Quebec, Patrick Steinberg. It's uh, I, I'm gonna for the for the rest <laughs> of my life. If I if I ever become fluent, I'll still sound like an anglophone talking French. I'm. Fairly, uh, I'm you, fairly you know what, you can do the play-by-play when the Expos come back to town because apparently they won the World Series the other night, I heard, but I don't believe it. Are you, were you an Expos guy growing up? Of course I was. Of course I was. And, I, I, yeah, I don't buy the Expos won the World Series thing, by the way. Doesn't, doesn't hold any water for me. You didn't, there was no emotional connection for you? No, no. They left town. <laughs> Terrible. That's fair. That's fair. How, uh, French, is French your first language? No, actually, truthfully, Italian is my first language. English Italian. is my second language, and then French. So, okay. yeah, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood in Montreal, heavy influenced by my grandmother, who spoke only Italian, and uh, my whole neighborhood was Italian. I went to Italian church, Italian grocery store, I went to Italian school on the weekend, so a lot more uh, Italian influence growing up, and then uh, obviously I went to English school and uh, learned French, basically... A little bit here and there. We we had a compulsory 45 minutes of French every day, but really I just enjoy languages. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know we're totally off topic here, but, yeah, th- those languages actually helped me when I played in uh, Barcelona to learn some Spanish. So huh. languages are good. Languages are good. It's impressive, my man. Uh, so, yeah. and, and I bet you're uh, – are you rocking? So you're doing Movember. It's day one today. Uh, you're doing a handlebar stash. Is, is that uh, the verdict? Well, I'm going to start with the duster under the nose, between uh, the nose and the lip, and we'll see how far it extends out. But, um, you know, I was approached uh, by some of the guys in the fire department. There's a Calgary Firefighters uh, donation page, and they have a team. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to join in this year. So we'll see how the stash looks, but I'm definitely 
Uh, I'm definitely on board uh, for the cause, not just for the stash. And that's uh, that's kind of why I asked you to talk about it, because I know everyone's going to grow a mustache and all guys use it as an excuse to do something maybe they won't uh, do 11 other months of the year and get away with something that their girlfriends won't uh, necessarily appreciate. But, you know, there is a serious message behind it, and uh, and that's kind of why I wanted to, want to chat with you today, my friend. Well, tell us about that message. Randy Chevrier is with us, by the way, the former Stampeder, uh, joining us. What What is the message that you wanted to get across on November? Well, it's a couple of things. One, the, the November, uh, the focus is on prostate, testicular cancer, mental health, and suicide prevention amongst men. So those are huge uh uh, health concerns for men, and I think it's important to raise awareness to the population at large that you know these are things that that men go through and uh, and that men have issues with, and uh, you know two of those things are, are very physical in nature, and the other two are very uh, emotional, psychological, mental in nature, and uh, you know men have a hard enough time dealing with the physical. Uh, impairments that we go through in life and, uh, you know, let alone the mental stuff. And, uh, you know, so, so getting awareness out to what Movember really is, is targeting and, and what, what uh, the awareness campaign is for is, is one reason why I got involved, but also, uh, you know, I did have the fortune of being a professional football player for most of my adult life until two years ago. And it was a male-dominated environment. And what, you know, you realize is that uh, men do a pretty poor job about uh, supporting each other. Uh, you know, when I was with the Stamps, I did a ton of stuff for, you know, for kids. Uh, I did a ton of stuff to support women's health. But I realized, in general, men just, we, 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 don't, we don't look out for each other. And then, you know, transitioning to the fire department, which, again, is another male-dominated profession, uh, you start realizing that, um, a lot of these issues that Movember deals with are things that men are dealing with, you know, especially men my age, you know, in their 40s and up. Um, and, you know, in the fire department with first responders, especially uh, mental health issues uh, are quite prevalent. And I thought, you know what, I'd like to be an advocate for men's issues. Uh, for men to show that men uh, can be good at supporting each other and, you know, talking about things when things aren't going right, especially things we can't see, uh, especially things, you know, we don't know what's going on with guys uh, behind closed doors because most guys you know, don't really talk about issues. And I think it's important because, you know, we're as important a part of the population uh, as everyone out there. But we need to start advocating for our health. Otherwise, you know what, we, we are only going to be um, – we're only going to be thought of in terms of reactive initiatives as opposed to proactive ones. And, and Movember is, is definitely a proactive uh, initiative that supports men's health, and I think it's important uh, to get the word out. So that's kind of why, uh, why I'm taking part. That's awesome, man. Where, uh, Randy Chevrier is with us. Where can we, uh, where can we donate to your page? What's, uh, what's the easiest well, way to find uh, that? I know if, if people follow me on Instagram, I have the link on my bio. Uh, there's uh, Movember.com is the website, and you can search for the Calgary Firefighters, or you can search for my page, uh, and it should pop up. Uh, you know, there's so many ways to get involved. You can, you can obviously donate to my page or anyone's page that's doing Movember. You can participate and create your own page, and there's other suggestions there to kind of get uh, get involved and, and, and kind of spread the word on themselves. But, yeah, you know, like, uh, it, it's, it's a neat month. It's a fun thing to do. 
but like I said, you know, there's a serious message behind it, and, and hopefully people can find a way just to, to help out. Because I mean, it's it's brothers, it's sons, it's fathers, uh, it's husbands, uh, you know, and, and it's important, right? It's important to everyone. It's uh, it's a great message, my man. And uh, go to Movember.com. You can find the Calgary Firefighters. You can find Randy Chevrier. Uh, that handlebar stash, I, I hope that's what you end up deciding to go with when it's all said and done. Um, well, I'll tell, I tell you what, Pat. If people do follow me on Instagram, at Randy Chevrier, it's super easy. I don't make it complicated. I will be doing uh, trash stash updates once a week. So trash as it stash. grows... Uh, it, it will be updated, so you'll see some live uh, pictures on the feed. I'll tell you what, I shaved this morning, and I'm already almost full slash, so I'm starting to see what it's going to look like at the end of the month, but I'm committed to it, and uh, wherever I go, it goes, and uh, maybe some of the food that gets caught in it goes as well. I don't know. <laughs> Good stuff, you have for breakfast? <laughs> oh, apparently uh, Chevy had some eggs today. I see uh, some yeah. scrambled eggs in the stash. Good stuff, buddy. That's awesome. Uh, it's great to hear from you, pal. We should uh, we should talk again very soon. You too, man. There's so much to talk about. Stamps doing well. Everything's going well. So well, they're not doing so well, are they? But well, they will. We'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens this weekend. Well, I'm hoping this weekend they win the games they're supposed to win. Exactly. Last weekend, I was a little upset with the outcome. You know what? I'm going to say this. You know me. I'm a CFL fan first. For CFL action, that was a fantastic game. It was a really good game. You know, it it kept, you know, one game in the CFL, you get glued to the television till the end. CFL can't ask for anything more. But we need the Stamps to start playing like the Stamps because, you know what, it's a little iffy when I watch the game sometimes, and I don't like that feeling. I really don't like that feeling. So the boys going to pick it up. Uh, if they win this one against BC, which, you know what, no no games a gimme, but the good teams win the games that they're supposed to. I uh, I hope that they take this one in, in where they're supposed to and then just keep building because, you know what, no one was ever crowned in June, but uh, you can start making a push right now. Good stuff, Chevy. We'll talk soon, pal. Thanks, brother. Randy Chevy. Bonjour, my friend. Enchanté. Mon ami. Uh, that is Randy Chevrier, uh, former Calgary Stampeder. He's on board with Movember. He's one of your ambassadors. You know who our ambassador is? Pinder is our ambassador. Go to Movember.com. Search out Ryan Pinder 960, or you can just go to mobro.co slash Ryan Pinder 960. And uh, you're going to see. Now, I'm a little disappointed in Pinder because he hasn't shaved the day. He's rocking a beard. You gotta sh- you're supposed to shave the day, and then you start growing. And you can't leave the mustache. you got to shave the full face. Uh, so this is it's not just prostate cancer anymore. It's prostate cancer. It's testicular cancer. It's mental health and suicide prevention. It is a huge, huge month for men's health. Uh, get on board. If you're like me and you're not growing a stash, donate. I'll be donating to Pinder's page. I'll be donating to Chevy's page. Donate. Get on board. It's a huge month for uh, men in this country. Speaking of... Men in this country, men who love this country. Peter Labardius, Lou's Mailbag is on Fridays. We've already done it today. It's brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, your private dining destination. Do business across the dinner table, not the conference table. Ruth's Chris Steakhouse uh, will uh, give you a $100 gift card and lower bowl tickets to an upcoming game if your question gets read. Okay, we're way over time. Pender and Steinberg kicks off around the corner. Was it the goal of the year, and why are these guys so Jekyll and Hyde? Next That'll do it for the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.